next on Contemplate. Jesus is not a myth that was made up. Jesus is God that the myths were pointing to. He is the real thing. Years ago, there was a movie that, among other things, presented arguments for the Jesus myth, the idea that Jesus was never real at all. And as we continue this study about the true story of everything, our teacher, Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church, will help us understand the truth. Here's Pastor David. Here's a newsflash for you. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, and no biblical scholar thinks he was. I don't know if you know this, but if you'll read the story, it doesn't say anything about December 25th. Um, In fact, we know for a fact he wasn't born on December 25th because we know that when he was born, the shepherds were out in their fields, and we know that they're not out in the fields in the wintertime. They stopped that in the fall, okay? They stopped taking the sheep out into the fields and hanging out because it's cold, okay? He wasn't born on December 25th. So even if all these other gods were born on December 25th, if that was true, if that was part of the story, it would have nothing to do with Jesus. And so it wouldn't be a point of, ooh, look, it's the same as these guys. No one ever said he did. There are all kinds of theories about um, when Jesus was born. They, they generally range from spring to fall. Why? That's when shepherds were out in their fields. Um, one of the coolest theories that I think um, exists is that he was born on Yom Teruah, which is the first day of the Jewish year, uh, when you first see the first new moon, sliver of the new moon of the new year on that day, that that's the day a lot of people, which is between September and October, that that's when people think that Jesus was born. I don't know when he was born. Scripture doesn't tell us. But the December 25th day was actually just because the emperor of, of Rome, Constantine, this Christian emperor of Rome and his buddies said, hey, all these people are celebrating this kind of winter solstice, uh, you know, uh, pagan, you know, God's uh, holiday on December 25th, and we don't want to take their party away. So what we're going to do now that we're Christians and we want people to be Christians is we're going to make it a Christian holiday. So we'll just have that be the day we celebrate Jesus' birth. And so that's what they did. It didn't work that great at the time. It actually has worked great because you don't see very many people on December 25th talking about Saturnalia or or, or whatever the the feasts were of that time. But nevertheless, it had nothing to do with Jesus actually being born on December 25th. And there's all kinds of other stuff. For instance, the three kings, right? The three three kings who attended the birth and whatever. Um, Let's what does the Bible say about the three kings? How about let's read it. Matthew 2, 1b, second part of the verse, it says, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. If you can find the part in that sentence that says anything about three or kings, I'll give you 50 bucks. It's not there. It's not in Scripture. That was the three kings, we three kings, of fantastic singing, wasn't it? That whole thing, that's an invention in the Middle Ages by folks who were making legends about these guys, whether these three kings, it was Balthazar and Frodo and Bilbo or whatever it was, right? And they had these stories about him and whatever. That's not in scripture. That's not part of the Jesus story. That's hundreds and hundreds of years later by certain people and then we made some songs with them or whatever. Magi from the East. That's all we know. We don't know how many of them, whether they rode camels, what exact countries they came from. We don't know any of that stuff. And so to say, well, look, these other ones had three kings who attended their birth, would, you know, even if it was true, which it wasn't, who cares? That has nothing to do with Jesus. So my point is that, A, 
saying that that was true of the stories of Horus and these other things is false, okay? In almost every case. And B, even if it was true, the things that they're referencing, some of the things that they're referencing, aren't even part of Jesus' story. So they're not similarities at all, okay? Um, apparently, they had done zero research in actual scripture and what the story of Jesus' birth actually was, or they wouldn't have looked so ignorant in putting things like December 25th and Three Kings and all the rest of that. Why do they do that? Because when you hear music and see a show and the words are coming up on the screen, we have this natural tendency to believe that the people who are putting it up there have actually researched it. So we assume that it's true, right? You watch the Discovery Channel and they say whatever about Jesus or, or about, you know, this dinosaur looked like this. And you're like, you don't know that. You weren't there. How could you, you? That is conjecture, right? That's your theory about whatever, but you talk about it like it's true. And so a lot of people say, well, that's what that dinosaur looked like. Well, look, we don't know. Okay, we got some bones we can guess. We don't know what th that dinosaur or this dinosaur looked like. But when the Discovery Channel talks, they talk as if they have authority. And when Zeitgeist talks, it talks as if it has authority, right? As if this is true and I've done the research. Well, as you can see from the, just a couple simple things, they didn't even know the story of Jesus. Not to mention that they basically just made up all the other stuff, okay? Um, and by the way, to the extent that any of the stuff is true, on these particular myths, what we find is that there are things that were added to the myths hundreds of years after Jesus. For people who still were, say, worshiping Dionysus or, or whoever, they actually sync, those religions actually syncretized facts about the Christ story into their myth. Okay, new facts into their myth, into the way they were telling the stories. That's what the documents show, not the other way around. It wasn't those were the stories and they came into the Christian story. It's their stories were totally different, and then hundreds of years after Christ, they started to bring in the Christian parts to their thing to make them more palatable. Okay? So that's all nonsense. Here's what Bart Ehrman, our skeptical friend on Christianity, says on this issue. Moreover, the claim that Jesus was simply made up falters on every ground. The alleged parallels between Jesus and the pagan savior gods in most cases reside in the modern imagination. We do not have accounts of others who were born to virgin mothers and who died as an atonement for sin and then were raised from the dead, despite what the sensationalists claim ad nauseum in their propagandized versions. Okay? This is a scholar who's telling you, not true. False, right? And you can find plenty. Like I say, look it up. Um, this is um, called parallelomania. Parallelomania. Let me tell you what parallelomania is. In historical analysis, biblical criticism, and comparative mythology, parallelomania refers to a phenomenon where authors perceive apparent similarities and construct parallels and analogies allegedly without historical basis. In other words, they find two things that are similar and therefore claim that one caused the other. Okay? I was sick the other day and it rained. And I was sick last year one day, and it rained. It must rain because I'm sick. Is that true, or can you see that that's probably not true? Okay, right? So you, you take things that are similar, and you start to make these connections. Okay, parallelomania. Now, that's what they're doing. They're saying, oh, look, there's all these parallels, which, of course, the, there are some parallels, but they're of a pretty uh, attenuated or far off. They're not like the parallels they're making here. 
Um, but to use the parallels to try to prove something, even if there really were parallels, does not prove anything. In fact, I'm going to prove to you, using parallels, that John F. Kennedy did not exist. He was a myth made up by those who used facts from the life of Abraham Lincoln to create this myth for you. John F. Kennedy wasn't real. You ready? I'm going to prove it. Here we go. <clears throat> Both Lincoln and Kennedy were elected to Congress in 46, 1846 for Lincoln, 1946 for Kennedy. Both became president in 60, 1860, 1960. Both had lazy eye muscles, which would cause one eye to wander. Both had been skippers on boats, Lincoln on the Mississippi River boat Talisman and Kennedy on the PT-109. Both were the second sons in their families. Each lost a sister to death before becoming president. Both married 24-year-old brunettes who had pre been previously engaged to other men and who spoke fl French fluently. Both had a child die while living in the White House. Both were related to U.S. senators, U.S. attorney generals who graduated from Harvard and ambassadors to the court of St. James. Both were acquaintances of a man named Adelaide E. Stevenson who ran for either vice president or president, a doctor named Charles Taft, and a man named William Graham. Both were advised not to go to the place where they died. Both were slain on the Friday before a major holiday, Lincoln on the Friday before Easter, Kennedy on the Friday before Thanksgiving. Both were shot while sitting next to their wives and in the presence of another couple. Of the other couple, the man was also wounded by the assassin, but neither wife was wounded. Both were shot from behind and in the head. Both of their wives cradled their husbands' heads after they were shot. John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln from inside a theater and fled to a warehouse. Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy from inside a warehouse and fled to a theater. Both were pronounced dead in places with the initials P.A. Lincoln in the Peterson House and Kennedy in Parkland Hospital. Both of their assassins escaped and were killed before going to trial. Both of their assassins were privates in the military. Each was detained after the shooting by a policeman named Baker. Both were eventually killed by a Colt revolver. Both of their assassins were born in 39, 1839-1939. Both of their assassins were known by three names. Both names contained 15 letters. Both Lincoln and Kennedy were succeeded by Southern ex-senators who were both named Johnson, who were born in 08, 1808-1908. Both Johnsons were in their mid-50s when they took office, and both suffered from urethral stones, the only presidents to have them. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. Lincoln was shot while inside the Ford Theater in Box 7. Kennedy was shot while inside a Ford automobile in Car 7 in the motorcade, and Kennedy's Ford car was a Lincoln. There you have it, right? John F. Kennedy was not a real person, right? He's a myth. You've just heard all these parallels. They obviously took all these facts about Lincoln and invented John F. Kennedy to control your minds. Okay? Obviously false, right? Just because there are parallels doesn't mean there's any connection at all. They're coincidence in this case, right? Coincidence. But there's a lot of them. It's interesting, kind of fun, but they have nothing to do one with the other. Okay? So any, anything that might be a parallel to what happened with Jesus does not prove anything about somebody making him up. Now, um, I'm done with the Jesus myth theory. Hopefully you understand that it's not true and that basically people who have done any studying don't believe it's true anyway. But there is something very interesting about myths in the ancient world, okay? They do have some similarities. Like I say, they're kind of off there, out there, attenuated similarities. But one of them that I think is really interesting is the idea of, of different cultures have this God who dies in the winter and is reborn in the spring, right? Kind of the eternal death resurrection God, okay? And, and that's an interesting one because I, it, it has some similarities to Jesus who died and rose again. But let me, let me ask you this. 
Do you think Jesus was made, invented because of that, to fit that myth? Or maybe that myth is there because of what we have talked about before, what I read to you a couple weeks ago. I'm going to read it to you now in Romans 1, verse 18 through 23. It says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Here's the deal. Humans were able to see some things that were true about God from nature. And they created mythologies. And they created gods. What they didn't do is press all the way in to truly know the incorruptible God. Instead, what they did was they took snippets of the truth and created religions that they could control so that they could continue to do the evil things they wanted to do. And then if the gods got angry, they'd just go, you know, sacrifice their children in the fire or whatever, right? Because that was easier for them than to actually press all the way in and know the real God. So we had a world full of idols. Now Paul, the apostle, goes to Athens and he's talking to the Athenians. These people, have they have idols, statues of gods all over Athens. And Paul's walked through and seen all this and he goes to the Areopagus and they're saying, tell us your your story, tell us your big story. Tell us your true story about everything. And so he starts talking to them and he says, hey look, I see that you're all very religious people. I see all these gods out here and so on. And then he says this, He says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. That's the Jesus that they say Paul didn't believe existed. But... Here's what he's saying. You did this. You had these snippets. You had these myths that had, that had a snippet of the truth, and God sort of overlooked some of your ignorance, but now you must repent. Now you've got to turn. Why? Why now? Because Jesus had come. Because we no longer had to look to myth because God had come as a man had died, had risen again. We had, the fullness had happened. It was no longer a shadow. It was no longer this, this whispered thing, but Jesus had actually come and proved himself to be God. And so he's saying, you no longer get to be ignorant. You no longer get to just have these snippets of the truth. The real truth is here. The real truth has happened. He's calling the Greeks away from their myths and to the real thing that Jesus has come, okay? The myths were leading to something true, Okay? I don't, we still are kind of fascinated by myth. My kids, um, or at least they used to like these Percy Jackson books, which are about like the gods of Olympus and all this kind of stuff and, and whatever. And we still have kids in high school read the Odyssey and so on and some of these um, Greek myths and different myths from different cultures and so on. We still like them. And, and there's something in them that speaks to us because there is that little snippet. There is that little snippet that's, that's reaching for, reaching for something that's true. But of course... We have the fullness of the truth. This is what James Menzies says about myths. Myth was not an end in itself. Instead, myth was a shadow, a reflection of something greater. 
And the purpose of myth was to prepare and point people to that something greater, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Myth points us to Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus is not a myth that was made up. Jesus is God that the myths were pointing to. He is the real thing. And he established himself and established his truth through his ministry on earth, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection, and his church that has gone on to this day, okay? So here's the question, okay? We know Jesus was real. Christian and skeptic alike that are educated understand that, that have actually searched this stuff out. We, we know that. He is real. I'm making some claims that are important. I'm saying he's God. Now, what you have to do is you have to ask yourself a couple things. I've asked you during this series before, I want you to think about two questions. Two questions. One, is it true? Is what I'm saying true? And if it is true, what should you do about it? What should you do about it? Because if Jesus is real and God really came to earth, then you've got to ask yourself why. And we'll talk about that more. I've talked about it already. He came to save you and testify to the truth. But what should you do about it if you believe that it's true? If you believe that Jesus is real, not a myth, but real. If you believe that Jesus is real and not a myth, what ought you to do? This is the question I want you to ask yourself. A few questions. Do you live like Jesus is real or do you live like he's a myth? Do you work like Jesus is real? Do you spend your money and your time like Jesus is real? Do you plan for the future like Jesus is real? Do you love like Jesus is real? Or do you live and work and love and plan like Jesus is a myth or the mascot of our Christian team or a genie in a bottle or some other nonsense? Because here's the deal. Jesus is not only the author of the feel-good Bible verse that you have on your coffee mug, okay? He is the consuming fire, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's God, the creator of the universe. While he does want to have a personal relationship with you, make no mistake, he's not your safe little teddy bear. He's the lion of Judah. This is Jesus is God. And if you believe that and you believe that he's real, it ought to drive you to action. It ought to drive you to do, to live in a certain way. Your life should suggest that you believe that Jesus is real. And if it doesn't, then you better ask yourself, do you believe that he's real? Do you believe it? He made the universe, and yet he burns with a passionate love for you that is so strong that he lowered himself as God of the universe, to become a baby, a human, a man, and then died and rose again for you, suffered like you suffer, but much worse for you, to save you, because he loves you, to testify to the truth, that truth that rings out through all the brokenness. We hear it, and we recognize it, the truth, the voice of the master, right? He came to fix what we broke at a cost, at a cost. We'll talk about that more later. Ask yourself the question, do you live like Jesus is real? And if not, start. So how are you living your life? Time to make some changes. And even more importantly, who is Jesus for you? Myth or God? 
And if all this has made you realize that you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior, simply ask him right now to forgive your sins and give you a brand new life. And you know what? He will. And if we can help you in any way, call us at 360-885-9000. Or even better, come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington this Sunday morning. All the info you need is a click away at axechurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and be sure and check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.